could you please intro and uh, establish a foundation for us in this conversation with the alignment message between Israel and the church and the nations and how it actually relates to the realignment of the gospel to the Jew first and to the fullness of God's children from the nations and how these two focuses are intricately linked together. Well, okay, Grant, thank you for, uh, it's quite a, quite a question to answer. And before I do so, I, I just want to say what a privilege it is and an honor to be part of this and to hear uh, so many of you speak uh, so eloquently on these subjects of repentance and unity. Uh, some of you I know, most of you I, I'm meeting for the first time. Um, as you can hear from my accent or, or lack of, I'm, I'm also an American Jew who was born and raised in West Hartford, Connecticut, and still carry an American passport as well as my Israeli one. And I uh, just wanna say our hearts, we're praying for the United States with everything that's going on right now. And uh, it's so encouraging to hear your testimonies of unity uh, in Minneapolis and Atlanta and places like that. It just gives me a lot of uh, hope mm -hmm. and and encouraging, encouraging our prayers for you. Um, amen. So uh, this, um, in answer to your question, Grant, I, I was thinking as listening to some of the speakers, uh, the panelists speaking about unity, uh, about what is really a mystery uh, of how the two become one uh, while still being two. And uh, still having these distinctions, uh, I think uh, Brother Jonathan Thomas spoke about marriage and, and ma husband and wife uh, and this incredible unity that produces, you know, uh, new human beings made in, God, in God's image, new births. Uh, and this whole issue of, of Jew and Gentile uh, in the body of Christ, Israel and the church, is also dis is described as a, a similar mystery, uh, both in, in the key places, the key scriptures uh, are Romans uh, 9, 10, and 11, especially chapter 11, and uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. Um, I, I wrote a book, my first book, which was published last year called One New Man, Re Reconciling Jew and Gentile um, in One Body of Christ. And... Uh, in that book, I, and our understanding in our ministry is that what in Romans 11, um, there is the apostle, as he's describing how, how God is working in, in, in history uh, in Israel and now in the nations, uh, establishes this link uh, between what he calls in verse 25, that the fullness of the Gentiles, which the word Gentile in, in Hebrew really means the nations, the other nations besides Israel, um, this link between the fullness of the Gentiles and the salvation of Israel. He starts in verses 11 through 15, right, talking about how this mystery of how Jewish, Jewish rejection of Jesus, the majority Jewish re rejection, has had this amazing result of the gospel coming to the nations. And now from the nations, it's supposed to bounce back to provoke Israel to jealousy. And then he says, when that happens, or as that happens, how much more will this fullness among the Jewish people and among the people of Israel be even a greater 
uh, blessing, he likens it to life from the dead uh, for the church. I, I, I don't want to say the church because that sounds like the church is Gentile and we're Jewish. No, it's we're all part of the same church. It's really about Jew and Gentile and, and Israel and let's call it the international church. Um, and then, if, as I mentioned in verse 25, he, 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 he talks about this mystery again, a mystery which he says he doesn't want the brethren in, in the Roman church to be uh, ignorant of, that uh, this fullness of the Gentiles, this time, that it, just as the Jewish fullness affects uh, the fullness among the nations, so the fullness, fullness of the nations will ultimately lead to the, uh, all Israel being saved, and then the return of the Lord. In Ephesians, I, so I, I, call, I call the Romans paradigm, I call it the fullness formula, what he's describing, this historical back and forth dynamic between Jew and Gentile. Uh, in Ephesians, it's not so much a historical dynamic as a relational dynamic. Some have already uh, talked about it and quoted from Ephesians 2 how in his flesh on the cross, Jesus abolished, somehow abolished this barrier, this wall of enmity between Jew and Gentile, making one new body, one new people. And yet there are still Jews and there are still Gentiles and there are still French and there are still Americans and Chinese and Japanese, all with distinctions, but he's, he's transformed the foundation of our relationship because of his sacrifice and because of his example of love. And for us here in Israel and our ministry in particular, and some of the things that God is doing, uh, <laughs> doing through us, with us, we're seeing, we, we, we uh, come back uh, often to Ephesians 3 verse 10, which is kind of at the conclusion of his teaching on the one new man where he says that through this church, through this reconciliation, this demonstration uh, of, of the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So there's, there's a, a spiritual warfare uh, dimension. There's power in this uh, understanding of the church as, as Jew and Gentile together, as Israel and the nations. And we believe that's a key to opening up revival awakening uh, and the fullness of what God wants to do in, in the last days. So I'll, I could go on. I wrote a book about it, but I'll stop there. Amen. Amen. Ariel, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Pierre, are you with us? Yes, I am. Pierre, please, uh, um, I'm going to ask you, uh, as I ask you the question, if you could introduce yourself as well. Um, Ariel, laid a foundation for us regarding the salvation of Israel and the nations. Can you address this from a 24-7 perspective for us? Yes. Um, so just for introducing myself, as you ask, um, I'm just working with the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I am working with the Israel Mandate Department. Um, I think of course, prayer is a key. We have spoken about it very much before uh, in the previous uh, section with uh, prayer and um, outreach. What I, I would like to share is more about what he shared about the, um, the question of the unity. 
what I feel very much is like there is a misrepresentation of the gospel to the Jewish people. Like 98% of the Jewish people maybe have uh, not been reached with the right message of uh, Yeshua. They, they know about Jesus, maybe they have heard the name, but it's a total misrepresentation of um, Yeshua. And the same is in, in the, for the Gentile, the same misrepresentation is, is also um, here for the Gentiles. So to me, we have like taken out the Israel part. Even in our credo, uh, we, say, we say nothing about the, the Jewish roots. We say nothing about the faithfulness of God to the patriarch giving Jesus, we say nothing about anything about connecting to Israel. The only thing that can be related to Israel is <laughs> the fact that uh, Jesus was uh, crucified under Pontius Pilate, and it's a, Greek, it's a Roman name. But everything Jewish has been removed. So we, have, we are totally cut from the past, from our past. We have no connection with our past uh, concerning Israel. We have no connection in the present because all the confusion about uh, um, absolutes, uh, moral absolutes are gone in the larger body of, of Christ. And also in the future, the Israel part is missing too because we do not see anything about the end time without uh, Israel in the Bible, but in the body of Messiah, every, everyone uh, has an understanding of the end time where Israel is not so important. So it's like uh, Israel is missing everywhere uh, on our past, on our present, and on our future. So uh, for all this reason, Jesus is uh, <laughs> like like a foreign. Uh, entity to um, Israel, Israelis or Jewish people all around the world. And even for Gentile believers, we do not connect uh, Jesus or Yeshua in the right way. So for me, the whole connection um, to reach like the salvation of Israel and gospel to the nation, we have to, to return to what is on the Israel side to reach out to Jewish people, but we also have to return to the scripture very much uh, concerning Israel to present the gospel to the nations. So uh, I think it's a whole movement right now uh, to rediscover the importance of Israel in, in the past for sure, the Jewish roots movement, the absolute uh, moral absolute in the present, and also, of course, the important part of Israel in the end times. So we need to pray a lot, uh, for sure. We need to pray a lot for revelation of uh, Messiah to the Jewish people, as we have been praying for um, revelation of uh, Jesus, of uh, Messiah to the Muslims nation. Of course, we need to pray a lot, but we also need to correct our, our message.
Um, how? In your teaching session, obviously, after I asked the question, if you could, you could introduce yourself to those that weren't with us yesterday. But in, in your teaching session yesterday, you spoke about how we in the ecclesia, the church, are in the closet. Can you comment on that and how that needs to change? Uh, my name is Hal Linhart. I was 23 years a pastor, and then I've been uh, almost 20 years as an evangelist. 17 of those years were at International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Hello, Pierre. Hello. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina now. And yes, I do believe the church is pretty much ashamed of the gospel in public. It's interesting that the great apostle Paul had to say that in Romans 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And he told Timothy, you know, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Well, you can have some church fights and church squabbles, but those verses are not applicable to a Christian uh, in a church. They are talking about going out into the unsaved world where uh, you run the risk of not just being ridiculed, but being killed. And we don't have to look very far. The example of all the apostles and all the prophets and the Lord Jesus himself. And I really admire the Chinese church because when they take their baptism vows, they declare themselves willing to die for the sake of the gospel. So for those reasons, the, uh, the church obviously doesn't want to do that. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and uh, they're in the closet. So the, the, the solution is for the church to man up and uh, realize God's calling them to follow the example of Jesus, or like the apostles, you know, you be the judge, uh, but I must speak what I've seen, what I've heard. And of course, the only way you get that kind of zeal is to spend time with Jesus. But I just want to say as an evangelist, it's time with Jesus and intimacy with him unto telling the good news. A lot of people are content to sit in the prayer room and they never leave the prayer. Jesus walks out of the prayer room and they don't follow him out to the unsaved masses. So it's uh, A and B. It's love God, love one another. Amen. Amen, Hal. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your wonderful ministry work. And we're hoping to see a lot more of you training up the evangelists that are about to come out of the closet. Yeah, let me say one man. more thing, if I could, yeah. Grant, just to the intercessors on this call. Go ahead. Believe with me for one million evangelists come on. who are fiery and engaged all across America. It's uh, 5% of the body of Christ in America. And if they get engaged, uh, there'll be some real changes taking place. Amen. Amen. Um, Wendy Cohen, um, I heard you share a testimony this morning on one of the prayer calls that really just really hit my heart regarding how the Holy Spirit leads us in the power of evangelism. So can you share with us in your own experience how power evangelism can make the difference in how we share Yeshua with others? The first thing about this is 
you can't be double-minded. If you're going to walk out in power evangelism, you're walking out with the faith that God is going to meet you. One way or the other, in a way you understand or way you don't understand, God is going to meet you. And God is not going to leave you high and dry and you've tried something and nothing works. I remember there was an Orthodox man, it was about a year ago, uh, an Ethiopian Orthodox man that had a terrible skin condition on his legs. Um, I don't know what it was, but it was awful. And I went up to him and I said, can I pray for your legs to be healed? And he said, of course you can. I said, but I will pray in Jesus's name. He seemed desperate. He said, I don't care. You pray how you want to pray. It's fine. I did. He did not get healed. Nothing happened. I walked away and the Lord said to me, that's not what I called you to do. Go back to him and ask if he wants to receive me. So there's this Ethiopian Orthodox man that I walk back to and I say, excuse me, the Lord said he didn't heal your legs because that was not what he wanted to do. He wants to ask you, do you want to receive Jesus, Yeshua, as your Lord and Savior? And he says, well, yes, I do. And it was that simple. And I said to him, okay repeat the prayer and we did that and then he turns to me and says now I want you to pray for my brother who's sick in the hospital and has had a heart attack and I said I'm not going to pray for him you're going to pray for him and I'm going to help you and so when you're practicing power evangelism you don't know what God is going to do but he's going to do something do you know it's like I was um, in this art gallery and there was this neo-Kabbalist, uh, mystical, young glass sculptor and she had done this, this piece that was about people's love being poured out into each other's vessels. And I said, that's a picture of Christianity and you've done a picture of communion and the cross. And she said, no, I haven't. And she explained it from a Kabbalistic perspective. And I just looked to her and I said, but Jesus is the one who came to earth to show us God's love. He is God's love in the flesh. And she looked at me, she said, I know that. And many of us know that, and many of us believe it. And so my point in sharing these stories with you is that people think the Jewish people are so hard to reach. If you come to us with the concept of the Trinity, you're gonna hit a blank wall. It's very hard to reach us. If you come to us to reach our hearts, to cause our hearts to melt before the living God, if you present Jesus as God's love manifest on earth, if you find language that is conducive to a Jewish heart, we are not difficult to reach at all. We are available for the gospel. And I want to encourage people in this. And I think one other thing, I don't only practice this with Jews, I practice it with Palestinians. I practice it with Muslims. And they want to know about Jesus too. Mm -hmm. Don't divide us up any more than we divide the, the nations in Israel. Don't divide us up. We have to come together in Jesus Christ. And we belong together in Yeshua HaMashiach. And we can come together. And we do come together. Palestinians and Jews come together in Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeah. Amen, Wendy. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.
you know, I, I really believe uh, with all my heart that the, there are two types of, of evangelism to Jewish people. And, and one is power evangelism, which was really John Wimber started to bring to light back in the 20th century to be led by the Holy Spirit with words of knowledge, words of wisdom. But the other is an unconditional love, just yeah. to love, just to get just to close to them and to love them and to pray and to, and to pray for them. And uh, re uh, really thank you for, for that, Wendy. Uh, just to conclude- May, may with, I just say one, uh, one brief thing in uh, addition to Wendy, that? Wendy, we, we don't have time because um, just need to, I need to move on to to uh, honor and respect the other two people that are that are with us on the on the panel and of course the uh the expression of love and evangelism is missions and so we have two people on the call lizard delta and uh, seth almock who have missions uh have uh, has has have heart of missions and um um uh, I, I would like you to, uh, uh, whichever one of you would like to introduce yourself and start first, if you can, just keep it to, to a couple of minutes because we are running a little bit behind. But but share with us briefly, Seth. You know what what God has been doing as you've stepped out in AMR. And uh, Liz, please share your heart with us. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Um, my name is Seth Amick. I'm with uh, YWAM Kona. Um, and uh, most of my roots are in the prayer movement. I spent a lot of years with uh, Lou Engle in, uh, in New England, uh, mobilizing the prayer movement. The Lord, uh, just a couple years ago, it was just three years ago, the Lord supernaturally gave me a dream, called me into missions. And I just really feel like um, this is what is, uh, the Lord has always been doing uh, this. He's always been marrying prayer and missions together, but I feel like it's, it's increasing uh, as the days uh, are moving uh, uh, forward towards um, towards His coming. Uh, the Lord is in an increased measure. He doesn't want missions being done without prayer, and He doesn't want prayer being done without missions. Is that Matthew nine uh, moment where? Before he calls forth the harvest, he calls the prayer meeting together. He says, uh, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. They send forth laborers, and you turn the chapter to chapter 10. He's laying his hands on his disciples with the same authority. And so I, I just want to tell one quick testimony, and, and then I, I can uh, pass it on to uh, the next person. Uh, but we were in Myanmar. This is just practically what we were uh, doing. We were doing this four-day uh, campaign in an unreached uh, village <clears throat> set up the campaign and uh, this storm cloud this uh, tropical storm was coming rushing through and uh, we knew that you know because it was an outdoor event uh, thousands of people were showing up from all different uh, villages and uh, this storm cloud was coming in. And so we started praying and mobilized uh, both the locals and uh, the internationals. It was such a beautiful moment because we were all in one voice crying out to the Lord. And no joke, from the time that the, the campaign started, the storm cloud lifted, right? And uh, 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 a skeptical person could just say, well, that's just uh, by coincidence. But the same thing happened the next night. 
and uh, the sound guy who was a Buddhist man said, we're not doing the campaign tonight. Uh, we're calling this thing off. I know these mountains, this thing's coming. And my, my bold evangelist friend who is a, a native to Myanmar said, uh, it's not going to come. Watch, we will pray and the storm will lift again. And he said, well, I'll bet you it will. And he's like, okay, well, if it does come, uh, then, you know, the campaign's off. But if it, uh, if it doesn't come, then you have to give your life to Jesus. Well, things went on. We mobilized the prayer movement. Uh, the the uh, prayer uh, meeting, it was it was such a, a, a glorious anointing intercession. And the, the thing lifted again so much that the, the Buddhist man came and saw our team out and said, I, I have to know this Jesus who calms the storm. And, and these kind of things are happening I, all over the world. It's not just me to, Myanmar. But I just feel like uh, the Lord wants the depth of intimacy, uh, but not just to have a depth of intimacy. Uh, hail is causing my heart to burn. It's, it's what you hear in secret. Shout it from the, the rooftops. And, and it's that kind of an hour right now where he's saying, I'm, I'm going to release fiery evangelists, but they're going to be founded and rooted in the prayer movement. Man, and the, you know what the truth is we would have a lot more missions if if we could uh if if we had more fun finance and funding to be able to send them into the nations from amen work. amen amen i'm I... <laughs> man. yeah yeah liz liz yes. dear dearest yes. sister please yes. so, so happy to be with you i've been working for the ethne movement um, for the last about 16 years, uh, but in missions um, for about 30, 37, 38 years now. Uh, just echoing the heart of all that have been sharing, but just want to focus on, you know, as we draw close to God in prayer, we can't help but pick up his heartbeat. I'm the mother of eight kids. Uh, for some people, that's, you know, they're like, a, that's a lot of kids, but compared to the number of children that God has, it's not really much. But you know, if one of mine is missing, I know the difference. And I think that's God's heart from the very beginning in, in the garden when God was the missionary God that went searching for Adam and Eve. His heart was on display that he was not willing that any should perish. So much so that Jesus was willing to lay down his life, to come from heaven, to set aside his glory. He came to seek and save the lost. And how much that has to be a part of our heartbeat now as we pray and as we seek him, as we find that delight in coming into his presence and experiencing what it means to be intimate with the one who created us for that very purpose, how can we then um, hold that to ourselves? How can we not but share with those who are still far from him. And as uh, John Robb shared earlier, if you were on that segment, there are still literally thousands of people groups for whom they will be born, live their whole lives and die, never once having heard the name of Jesus, never once having known that they were created for intimacy with the God who made them in their mother's womb. We have to remember as we pray and as we cry out for revival and reformation, we want that so desperately. We need that. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be able to be his witnesses. But we have to remember that he called us to toward that Revelation 5-9 vision 
where before the throne were worshiping people from every tongue and tribe and nation. That's what the end will look like. Everybody, every person from every tongue, tribe, and nation at least having the opportunity once to hear in a way that they can understand and respond. And as we pray individually and as we come together to pray corporately, we have to keep that heart of God in mind that his heart, 2 Peter 3, 9, is that none should perish. And he's calling us to that desperation as the time is short, as we see things coming to culmination, we have to include that crying out that none are lost. And to be part of the answer, as they said earlier, not just being in the prayer room, but reaching out to those around us that still haven't heard in a meaningful way. And Wendy is so encouraging to say, you know, the Holy Spirit works with us. He confirms his word with signs and wonders following. His heart is for us to yield ourselves to open our mouth and let him fill it with the words that that person needs to hear, that we can bring it to them in a way that will pierce and penetrate and melt their hearts. And I'm praying for all of us that he would, during this 10 days, as we move up to Pentecost, that he will let us be baptized with power from on high to be his witnesses, that we could see none perishing, but every tongue, tribe, and nation joining together to worship him, Jew and Gentile together in that one new man. Um, thanks so much. It's just Amen. the heart of all that's here. And just, just call us to that place. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Ariel Blumenthal, would you close us out in a word of prayer? Would you close this session out in a, in a word of prayer? And thank you so much for all of you for being on this panel. Bless you. Um, just want to encourage you to share your, uh, your ministry links so that people can connect with you afterwards. God bless you all. Ariel. Yeah. Well, Father, we, <clears throat> we bow our knees before you. We bow our hearts before you, the one from whom every family, from whom every tribe, tongue, and nation, from every person receives our name, our identity. Lord, thank you for the incredible tapestry of, of the nations, the diversity of the peoples of the earth and their cultures and their music and their uh, dress and their foods. And Lord, that you are uh, in your glory as the creator, Lord, nothing, no, no two snowflakes are, are the same. Uh, and so it is with, with the peoples of the earth. Lord, we pray, and I pray for my brothers and sisters, for all of us to have your perspective, Lord, your, that perspective from heaven of, of the nations, of this desire, this longing to see uh, a remnant from every tribe, tongue, and nation uh, worshiping uh, before you. But we know we won't see that in its fullness until uh, you return, but we, wanted, we want to uh, be faithful servants Lord, uh, here in Jerusalem, Lord, and to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, Lord, to proclaim your gospel and to make disciples. Lord, I, uh, I lift up the body of, of Messiah, the body of Christ here in Israel, both Jew and Arab and international, Lord, and we are small. Uh, our numbers are few. 
Lord, we uh, pray for our, uh, the body to come to greater unity. Lord, for us to be praying together, evangelizing together. We've seen, Lord, the power when Jews, uh, uh, Jewish believers reach out to Arabs and vice versa. Lord, it breaks down these walls. It opens the ears to, uh, for people to receive uh, God's grace in, in a new way. Lord, we pray that uh, this, the body of Christ and revival and awakening here in Israel, Lord, would be uh, again, uh, just like it was on Shavuot, on Pentecost 2,000 years ago, a great and amazing event, Lord, that would bring uh, uh, transformation and excitement and, and encouragement to, to all the body of Christ throughout the world. But Lord, we can't do it. We can't do it in our own flesh, in our own weakness, Lord. We need your strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, may it increase upon us uh, during this season. Hashem Yeshua, in Jesus' name, amen.